We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. We've got some cap related news to get into today. We've got some buyout talks, all kinds of stuff to talk about on today's show. If you're not doing so already, please make sure you do subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me over on X at Trevor underscore Lane, joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. Uh, Keith, uh, we've got We've got some very cap nerdy stuff to, to get into today, which is which is always exciting. Yeah, we absolutely do. Hey, I want to say one thing. Um, I was looking at the Apple reviews. Uh-huh. Two people who wrote who wrote very kind reviews only gave us one star ratings. <laughs> so I'm assuming that was a mistake, or the kind review was maybe fully sarcasm. Um, <laughs> but if if you gave a rating recently, and these were within like the last month. Uh, if you want to go back in and look and just make sure you you actually tagged it, five is best, not one. Um, <laughs> it's a scale of one to five, you know, five being preferred. Yes, yes correct. So, it, I mean, hey, if you your real feeling was a one, but it, it was accompanied by by very kind written reviews. So, I just wanted to uh, be able to throw that out there. But yeah, we've got some some cap stuff going on. I think the league generally what happens is the NBA a week or so out from the trade deadline will try to release a cap projection for the mm-hmm. next season because often, as we know, some teams are making trades for next year, right? Sure. They're making trades with next season in mind. So so the, the NBA uh, officially released its new uh, memo uh, that went out, its new cap memo to teams. And what they told uh, teams was the, the original cap projection was $142 million. It is now down to a hundred and forty-one million, so it went down by one million. Um, so then everything else adjusts off that. We don't need to get into every other number out there with the apron and the max. Yeah, I'll, I'll put them up on the screen here. Stuff, but but they, they have all adjusted down uh, now. So we're we're in a spot where it is slightly different. Um, yeah, with, with these per- perfect, you got that up there. So that's where it is. The memo did not specify that the tax, the apron, and the second apron were changing. They will change. Like, I think mm-hmm. this is just some rounding from the league. This isn't even rounding from Woj. Woj, I think, is just saying, here's what it was um, in the, uh, the the new cap memo. But here we are. So down a little bit. Why it's down, I think the single biggest reason is the uh, regional TV stuff. That still is yeah. floating out there as a kind of an unknown. My guess is the league is projecting it's not going to deliver the way it was supposed to. 
uh, to to the teams, which is that's all money that goes in the pot, which figures out the uh, overall salary cap um, as a part of the BRI uh, calculation. BRI is basketball related income. And my guess is that's what happened. It's not all coming in the way they thought. So here we are where uh, the cap's a little bit lower than projected. Now, Keith, to make sure we're we're clear on this, this does not mean the cap is going down. This Correct. just means it's not going up by quite as much as exactly. they projected it to. It is still good. The cap is still increasing. Now, you can have a maximum increase of 10%. We're not going to be anywhere near that. In fact, I think the figure I saw was like 3%, 3.7%. Yeah, yeah 3.7%. The old one was 4.4% for this year to next year. You're absolutely right. It's a max of 10%, and it can't go down. Uh, so this year's salary cap is 100. It's roughly 136 million. It's just slightly over that. It can't go under that number. It it would be 136 million at least next year. This is still 141 million, about five million more, and that's about a 3.7 percent increase versus the uh, the the 4.4 that was off the last official memo. And there's still some people running around using the full 10 percent. Uh, which we have cautioned against because that seems extremely unlikely. And mm -hmm. I think this only furthers how unlikely that is that we see it go up 10%. So functionally, what is, what's the effect of this on, on teams? Yeah. Uh, the guys who have inked um, max salaries already, they'll come in a little bit lower uh, to, to like the rookie scale max guys. So Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halbert and all those guys, guys who have max extensions kicking in next year, the so-called super max extensions. So like Jalen Brown and Carl uh, Anthony Towns, like their numbers will come in a little lower. If it comes in lower, then even if it goes up 10% from 24, 25 to 25, 26, those numbers will also be lower because now you're starting off a lower base um, number. So everything just comes in slightly lower. Um, anybody who thought, you know, oh man, we've got, you know, this much to work with in cap space, mm. it's now just a little bit lower. This is only a million. This isn't isn't all that drastic. It matters, but it's not not a something where it's like, oh my gosh, like this will never work. Uh, for example, the um, the the thirty five percent max was projected at forty nine point seven million. Now it's forty nine point three five million. So it's three hundred and fifty thousand less. So it's not 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 even all that crazy there. So right. just you know, just a, a little bit less that it's gonna 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 look like. All right. So something else that we need to get into, which it it seems ridiculous on the surface when you see this, but uh, Bobby Marks put this out. Eleven teams control seventy five percent of the tradable first round picks. Um. That's and and I think of those eleven teams, ninety five percent of that is OKC. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, I'm, ma like I'm making that up. I'm making yeah. that up. But um, but I think this does speak to something for the the trade market that you have to consider. What this tells you is that the teams who have tradable first round picks who feel like they're in a position to to give away first round picks in order to try to I, I, I mean you would assume if they're trading a first round pick they're trying to win now. The fact that 75% of the first round picks are in the hands of 11 teams, that tells you that a lot of those teams have made their moves already, um, which obviously this can shift as some of the teams that own the picks improve, right? Like when we think about the Thunder, they've got a bunch of picks. They're not going to be in a 
uh, in a mode anymore where they're going to be selling off assets to get more picks. They're more likely to flip and become a buyer now. So obviously that can shift the dynamic quite a bit. But I think it also suggests that maybe there won't be quite as many picks as there were, say, a few years ago that are available for trade. Because again, a lot of those teams that are in that upper echelon right now, they've already made their moves. They've used those picks. And you can't trade them again once you've already traded them. So that's something to keep an eye on here on the trade market that may cause the value of first-round picks to fluctuate a little bit compared to previous years. Yeah, and I think there is something to be said, too. We're probably, if we're not there, we're really approaching the breaking point of teams acquiring picks. Mm -hmm. Because I think, like, you hit a point where how many are too many. Right. right. Do, do you need all those picks? And it's it's all the teams you would think of. It's it's you know the uh, the the Thunder, the Pelicans, the the Jazz. Now uh, I think Orlando's got some extra ones. Houston's got some extra picks. Brooklyn now does uh, with that. But in order for them to have all those picks, there need to be teams. Obviously, they're out. So teams like Minnesota, Cleveland, Phoenix, especially like those teams don't have picks. So so yeah, it's it's just one of those things where you know it kind of tells you all right if we need to do uh trades that involve draft picks it's probably going to come from one of those teams now a team like the thunder that's really good they're in a spot where yeah they could probably say okay you want five picks great let's go like like, like if that's what you really need we could deliver that to you and it, we've seen we talk about this all the time sometimes all teams want to be able to do is report we got five first round picks for yep. player x even though it's, well, it's really two and three of them are tied up with projections and maybe won't even convey. And if they convey, they're going to be the 25th pick in the draft or something like that. So, right. but the, those are, that's the way that stuff kind of goes. So I think we're in a spot where, um, you know, we're in a very interesting place with just the way draft picks are spread out. And I thought there was a really mm. cool tweet from Bobby where it was like, Hey, let me really lay this out for you of like where, you know, this, this, this is at. Cause I think sometimes we kind of know these things, but when you see numbers like that, it's like, holy crap, a third of the league controls 75% of the draft picks. Like, like, wow, that is just bonkers stuff. It, it, it's the kind of thing that's startling where you, where you think, man, I can't believe it's really that drastic, but, yeah. but it is. And, and I think you're right that you do hit a point of oversaturation with picks where you can't possibly use all of those all of those picks as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see how all of, all of this uh, plays out on the market and what this means for teams. But uh, there's that we've hit the point now where you don't have quite as many teams that are kind of in that middle ground. You have the teams that are either going for it or you have the teams that are, you know, saying, OK, well, we'll let, let's get some picks and, and see what we can do for the future. And you've got a lot of teams who who went all out uh, on getting draft picks. And sometimes it can pay off, sometimes it doesn't. So uh, certainly a startling number, though, that, that I think illustrates a lot of the context around the trade market right now. Speaking yep. of the trade market, death of a dynasty, the Warriors opened <laughs> to trading Chris Paul. Wigging! <laughs> Andrew Wigging. <laughs> well, the way he's playing, he is wigging out right now, I think, a, a little bit. Right. Um, let me, I will fix that out of respect to Andrew Wiggins, the, the typo, um, and Clay Thompson could potentially even be available. And obviously Chris Paul, there's not as much of an attachment to him, but Andrew Wiggins, I mean, he was great for them. They won the, the championship yeah, uh, win just, the title without him. Yeah. Yeah. They, he was, he was fantastic. And then Clay, of course, I mean, he's, he's let, he's getting, is Clay getting a statue out front? You think? 
That's a good question. Yeah. Like I, Steph you know, is. Don't you probably just do one with Steph, Draymond, Clay, and Kerr, like all together? That makes sense. Like, yeah. I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. Maybe you do one where like they're all standing around, like listening to him or watching him drop a play or something like that. That would make sense. Or I don't know. Maybe there's, I'd have to go back. I know there's famous pictures of Steph, Draymond, and Clay together. Like, yeah after titles like all standing together maybe you can just kind of slide Kerr in beside them and do that that's what i would do yeah i like that i like that but but regardless there's obviously much more attachment to clay thompson so i i think it would be more difficult for them to move clay although clay does have that big expiring contract they got to figure out what they're going to do with him and uh, if they're going to come to terms on a new deal but it really does feel like this is this is probably it for the warriors with where they're sitting in the western conference right now they either need to make some moves to try to help staff or, or make some tough decisions this summer. But I think we could be, you know, a week and a half away from a drastically different Golden State Warriors team. Yeah, I think so. I, I think uh, we're at a point where I think the Warriors have maybe said, all right, we're not all about chasing upgrades for the rest of this year. I, I think they've kind of, we're not moving Kaminga. We're not moving Brandon Pajemski. Those would be two huge players to throw into any trade offers mm-hmm. if they're trying to upgrade. And I think the Warriors are like, hey, if we turn it around, fine. But if we can get off Wiggins' money long term, maybe get ourselves out from underneath the apron, like just get get to where we're in a good place now, where we're we're you know a little bit freed up to do some stuff salary wise. I think you could see that be be a real goal of theirs here over the next week or so, leading up to the deadline where. Yeah, it's if we turn it around and we make the play-in tournament, fine. And clearly, we, you know, they have Steph. So you, any single elimination, like I'd love to have Steph Curry, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's great. So may, maybe you can win through through the play-in tournament, and get into the playoffs. But otherwise, let's not go all in on trying to chase guys to go. You know, like for example, why would we trade a bunch bunch of stuff to go get Zach Levine when that's not a guarantee right. that that's going to lift us into even the playoffs? Never mind, just you know. Never mind title contention, right? So, yeah, I, I think I think we could see though CP3. That was always designed to be a short term thing, anyway. And then Wiggins, the Clay one would still that would surprise me quite a bit. But yeah. all I will say is, anytime they come up, whether it's Woj or Shams or anybody else, Chris Haynes, anybody else, there's always kind of a piece of that gets thrown in there like, eh, maybe they could listen on Clay Thompson. So right. it's not as much where it's like, it's made, made, been made very clear. They have no interest in, in listening to even offers for Steph. But Clay feels like, all right, if you want to pull us over with an offer, like we're willing to listen. Now, I also wonder if there's a, all right, we'll trade them to you for the rest of the year. <laughs> then we'll just resign them next summer anyway and, and bring them back. Now, that'd be obviously very hard for them to do. Yeah, I was gonna say, do they? That would be tough for them to have the cap to, to do it, unless unless we want to talk mid-level guys. exception. But exactly, yeah, and and I, I tend to think it's more likely what we're gonna see is Clay sticks. Then next year we see him sign like a one plus one kind of deal for mm-hmm. twenty million a season, and that that's where it goes. I think that's more likely what we see happen. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Draymond would be kind of tough to move at this point, just given all of the you know Draymond stuff. Uh, but Chris Paul is is a guy to keep an eye on. Certainly a, a player they could move. But again, again, it comes down to: Do they really want to make the all-in move this season? Is it worth it? 
And that's and that's the problem for them. Yeah, without a doubt. Sorry, I was typing a message to somebody. No, no worries. No worries. Um, this whole cap thing's got people in such a tizzy, and it's like, really breathe. It's a million dollars. Like I, I didn't think it was all that significant. And maybe it's just something coming that's in lower saying. than expected. <laughs> What's that? And that's me saying it. Like right for everybody to settle down but it's just you know it's some of it is people are which i very much appreciate a lot of people have built their own cap sheets and the like and they're like i'm just trying to make sure my sheet's accurate for next year and it's like okay fair like good good question we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Mm-hmm. All right, let's jump over to the Cavs who picked up a big win over the Clippers last night. Uh, Evan Mobley back in action. And then Darius Garland is on his way back as well. This Cavs team, uh, along with the Knicks, two teams in the East that would like to break into that top tier. I don't, I definitely don't have them in the top tier right now. Um, speaking of this is an aside, but I was asked this on the radio uh, yesterday. Is How do you have it in the East? Do you have it, the Celtics, and then the Bucks and and the Sixers in their own tier, like the Celtics are in a different tier, and then how big of a gap is that, or is it a three team tier at the top with Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers? Yeah, it was. It it I I still have it. Celtics, Bucks, then Sixers. So yeah, okay. Celtics, Bucks are on pretty even playing ground. I would have Boston. People now will call me a homer. I do have Boston slightly ahead of of Milwaukee. I mean, sure. they're four games up right now. Yeah, no, so that's fair. Right there, you know, so I think they they are slightly ahead and and we've seen when they have their full starting five available, they're they're dominant. They're they're almost impossible to beat. Like they're that good. Now, Philly, I I've just 
I'm, I, I have just these constant worries that it means going to be there when it really matters. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm worried about that. And I just, I just, they, let's see. I want to see them make, make some kind of move to put themselves in a better place than being, you know, slightly behind uh, the, the rest. Yeah. So that'll be something to, to, to keep an eye. I mean, we've heard them in a lot of trade rumors. The question is, what are they, what do they actually do out there, uh, out there on the market here? And if they can get a piece that's going to really help them, I agree. Embiid, he's got a super high usage rate. Can that continue all season long? Obviously, the game's already being missed, and that was weird. I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the the NBA is looking into Embiid getting pulled so soon from from tip off of that game against the Nuggets, which was certainly a big letdown. Yeah, that's what was said was because he wasn't on the injury report at all, um, and then he was. Uh, yeah, then, then he was um, basically like ruled out right before when they watched him warm up. And there is a question of like, hey, what's going on now? He since missed uh, last night's game, which mm-hmm. was another loss for Philadelphia, which yeah. is like they, they've lost a little bit of ground here. They, they've, they've lost three in a row. They're not tied with the Knicks as far as being games back. They're slightly mm-hmm. ahead percentage-wise. Cavs are only a half game behind them. Um, there. So as Cavs and Knicks just they, they're rolling. They're uh, yeah. they both just keep winning games. So yeah, I'm 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 gonna guess the NBA says, hey, God warm. Sometimes that happens. I don't think there was anything nefarious sure. with Embiid, and he did get hurt the game before because the whole thing the game before was he was limping around, and then he went back in. Very it seemed very clearly to try to extend the thirty point streak, and there were a lot of I know a lot of Philly fans are like, what are we doing? Like, right. who cares about this thing? Um, the stupid streak that really ultimately at the end of the day doesn't hold a lot of meaning. So, yeah, I'm I'm not sure, you know, what, hmm. what comes of that. Um, with Darius Garland back, I think it was yesterday's show I said, I wonder if part of what it is is, like, he's got to get his weight up. Shams did say that. He's like, he's he's been recovering. He's getting his weight up after having his jaw wired shut. I can only imagine he's uh, lost some weight, which has me thinking maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's a diet I need to – I need to work on here. Maybe that's my next step to to blast through this little plateau I'm sitting on. Wire my jaw shut. You're gonna wire your jaw. Yeah, yeah, right. That, that's a, that's a, a little extreme. Hey, if it works, it works, baby. <laughs> Summer's coming, Trevor. I gotta look good for summer league. <laughs> that's that's so, right. We're gonna be in Vegas. We're gonna be out by the it. pool. That's it. We're gonna be out by the pool and my my speedo, and no one's gonna want to see it if I don't get my beach body ready. <laughs> <laughs> we just went we always tell people like hey if you see us at summer league come up say hi now you're getting nobody's gonna come up to us now perfect i'll be left alone <laughs> me and my cap sheets by the pool <laughs> yeah it's what's oh, funny no. is the idea that i even leave the room when we're not actively at games or doing something that's the funnier part i pretty much hole up in my hotel room and work on cap sheets the entirety of summer league so that you're, you're probably not going to see me anywhere anywhere else anyway but yeah. that is the summer league experience um right. you know speaking of things that we talked about yesterday that came true Taj Gibson back with the Knicks. So funny. <laughs> so funny. 10 day contract. It was 10 day contract day, apparently, in the NBA. Yeah, here, let's today we'll that. get into the others because they were all signed by Memphis. But yeah, Taj Gibson back. They they need just another body in there. I don't, I don't know that that's really the answer, but you know, we'll see. I'm very curious now to see if it's re- if we get a little bit more serious. Has it changed their trade plans at all? Like, mm-hmm. do they are they looking for something maybe a little different? We've been hearing a ball handler that can replace what Emmanuel quickly gave them. Did they say, eh, we kind of got enough guards. We'll make it work. 
we need to get another big in because it sounds like it's something minor, but OG Ananobi missed last night's game with elbow inflammation, right? Elbow mm. inflammation too. So they were down Randall and Ananobi last night. I don't know how much you can get by with Isaiah Hardenstein and, you know, four smalls around him all the yeah. time. So you just wonder, did, did this change things up a little bit for the Knicks? Yeah, that's, that's something that, uh, We'll have to see if the if this changes things. We we talked about potential trade candidates and things like the guys they can go after that would give them a little bit of size, um, with Randall being out. So, uh, it wouldn't. I mean, the Knicks are right there. Doesn't feel yeah. like they're that far off from from yeah. making a real run. I I think they're another team that I would actually be surprised if the if the trade de trade deadline passed. And part of that, of course, is the Fournier contract. But if the trade deadline passed and they didn't do anything, I would be surprised. Yeah, I do wonder if they're thinking bigger like we we, we get we, we the fournier deal once that's gone you've kind of fired your last big chip out there mm -hmm. to make something happen so i do wonder if they're like we got one more bigger move we can make still and and if they don't feel like the right one is there at the trade deadline maybe they hold but yeah i they, i would like to see them do something to fortify uh this team because you're right they are right there like there's and I say this all the time. No, we just talked about it. I don't have them in the same tier as like Boston and Milwaukee, not even Philadelphia, even though they're closer to Philly now than ever. Mm -hmm. But all it takes is Embiid is hurt. Porzingis is hurt. Uh, Giannis has back issues again, like last year. And now all of a sudden you're through and yeah. you're, you're playing for in a finals you didn't expect to be in. So that's why I think teams like Cleveland, New York, Indiana, like you kind of owe it to yourselves. Like, yeah, kind of go, you not to go super all in, but do something just to be in, you know, just in that much better of a place where, Hey, why not us? Right. If something goes kind of sideways, why not us? Okay. So you said maybe they could hold their chips for, you know, for next season or, or whatever, or making a big move over the summer that they're waiting for the big move. And right now, um, oh, there's uh, Chris Haynes, Tyrese Maxi misses third straight game tonight against the Warriors. Uh, he's got yeah, an ankle sprain, so that that a little right bit now. more news. Yeah, I think Philly. he's already out too. Maybe uh, I don't know. I haven't seen have the injury report yet. No, but that's uh, not good for the 76ers. No. Not good. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, back to what I was saying. Um, if they're holding out for the big move, and I think our general sense has been that the big fish is not out there on the market right now at the trade deadline. Now, we never know what could happen. It could be surprise. Kevin Durant gets traded at 2.30 in the morning. I mean, you just you never know with this league. But right now, it seems like the biggest name on the market is DeJounte Murray. And the report from yesterday, Quinn Snyder actually doesn't want him traded. And, you know, we don't know if he's actually even going to get moved. So are you suggesting that the Knicks... Evan Fournier has a team option for 19 million for next season. We've been looking at that contract as essentially, essentially an expiring because who's going to want to pay Evan Fournier $19 million for next season. Do you think the Knicks could actually pick up that team option and just have a $19 million expiring trade chip on their roster again next season? Yep. I think for 29 teams, that's an expiring contract right now for the Knicks. It is not you extend mm -hmm. that window because declining it doesn't put you in place to have cap space. So why, right? You, unless unless there's something going on that we don't know about where they're going to have to do something big, big that hasn't presented itself as evident, I, I would just pick it up and roll it into next year and figure it out, right? Because then, then what you've done is you've taken your window from 
the next 10 days till the trade deadline, nine days till the trade deadline, whatever we're sitting on now to a year. You have a whole year where you can figure something out with that, either this summer or you can figure it out at the next trade deadline if you need to. So, yeah, I think 100%. Now, I kind of don't want it to play out that way because I feel like Kevin Fournier can still probably play and offer yeah. a team something. It is never going to happen in New York. So I'd rather see him go somewhere else where he can play in the immediate or they decline the option. Maybe even they work a buyout with him. And he goes and lands somewhere and then kind of go, go somewhere else. But yeah, I, I think there's a chance the Knicks pick, pick that up. I don't think we, we should be operating under, they will definitely decline that and move on. Nope. Uh, just to close the loop, Woj reported yep. uh, and beat, it will be questionable. We'll work out tonight before the game. So, okay. so we'll see what that looks like. The other 10 days that were signed all by the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies have three hardship exceptions that they filled. They filled one yesterday. They filled two today. The one yesterday was filled by Matthew Hurt. Signed yesterday, jumped right in the rotation, played like 25 minutes. Actually had a pretty good game for Memphis who put up a pretty good fight uh, yesterday against the Kings. The other two guys, Trey Jemison, who just finished a 10-day with the Wizards. He's a uh, probably a more of a center than a forward, but big kid, super athletic. Uh, guy around the rim can make a lot of plays. I really like Trey Jemison. And then the other guy that they signed is uh, Tassan Awoman. Um, mm-hmm. If that name sounds familiar to anybody, he kind of burst on the scene last year, played at Princeton, which is not really known as a basketball factory for cranking up yeah. NBA players. A lot of you know NCAA history there uh, with him, but he was a guy who kind of came on the scene and thought about maybe would be drafted. Went to camp with the Pistons. He's been playing for the Motor City Crews. Good G League numbers, about 15 points per game in the G League. Uh, eight assists, four rebounds. He's an okay defender. He's a, he's a gut forward-ish size guy. So the Thunder, or excuse me, the Thunder, the Grizzlies, I think what they're doing right now is you make lemons out of, or make lemonade out of lemons, right? Season has gone poorly. We have open roster spots. We're going to cycle through some guys. See if somebody pops like Vince Williams Jr. did. Yep, if they do, good. let's let's go and you know maybe we can find a way to keep them long term. But for now, it's just keep keep trying out a few guys. Yeah, I did radio in Memphis yesterday, and we talked about that with Vince Williams. I mean, that's exactly what you need to do. You try to try to yep. unearth diamonds in the rough, and and if you find somebody great, and you know the Grizzlies certainly can can bounce right back next season. Uh, if they can make the right move, right back. In they are. I think so. Next year, I you know, because there's nothing. They're they're not going to do anything silly like, all right, well, this season has sucked. Let's trade Desmond Bain. Like they're right. just going to come back with you know everybody, and then all of a sudden, it's like, man, Memphis is actually pretty good, huh? Plus a if, high pick. Know, and then they go, yeah, yeah. Plus a high pick that they can either use themselves or use in a trade or or whatever. They've got other tradable guys that they could move on from, which is more probably at the point where we got to consider that by the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are we going to do? Because this is a team. I think there's a chance maybe Luke Kennard gets moved because he's a guy, pretty decent contract. Teams are always looking for another shooter that, that can come off the bench. And for Memphis, that clears a big-ish salary off the books because right now they're looking at being a tax team next year. That's probably not really where they want to be. So I, I I think we could see that freeze up a roster spot and just just kind of kind of keep rolling things over a little bit there on the bench. All right, uh, let's jump over to Gordon Hayward. A buyout for him appears to be unlikely. Uh, I know we talked about that yesterday as well. Some reasons why that may be the case, uh, particularly if he's 
you know, looking at the market for this coming summer, his best bet to getting a bigger contract may be just to stick with the Hornets and use bird rights to, to re-sign him. How, what's the Hornets' appetite to hang on to Hayward, especially at, I mean, obviously not the number he's at right now, but even at a above mid-level exception number? I think their appetite's pretty low, but I think a sign-in trade could certainly be possible mm-hmm. where it is. Teams like, hey, all we could offer outright is the 12 million non-taxpayer, but maybe it is, Hey, but we're happy to do 15 to 20 million in a sign and trade. Mm-hmm. And Charlotte may say, okay, send us a young player, a salary maybe you don't love, and then a draft pick or something like that. And we can make this happen. And, you know, kind of you know, almost a reverse of what happened when they got them from Boston, where Boston paid them to make it a sign and trade so they could generate that massive trade exception, which they later used to become Evan Fournier. Um, we, mm-hmm. we could, I think we could see something like that where it, for Hayward, it's like, yeah, I don't want to give this up because otherwise I'm probably topped out at the mid-level exception. So even if Charlotte doesn't want to, it's a similar story with Miles Bridges, right? Where it is, Miles Bridges may block a trade just to say, nah, because if I go somewhere else, they can only pay me a slight bump over the amount I made. It's like 1.2 million, 1.3 million uh, bump over what I made. Yo, already. Mm-hmm. So that's not enough for me. Like that, he's not going to want that. So, so I think for him, it's you know he may also say, no, let, let's go a different direction. So I think, um, you know, interesting week here for the Hornets ahead for sure. Yeah. yeah. And again, I said this yesterday, but it's worth repeating. I think Hayward's in a different spot from Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is in the. I've only probably got a couple years left. Probably looking at being a minimum player, or maybe you know. $5 million as part of an exception from somebody the next couple of years anyway. So a buyout for him makes a lot more sense where for Hayward, it probably just doesn't make as much sense. Last thing that we've got for today, uh, some sad news here. Uh, Dave King from bright side of the sun uh, passes away. Keith, I, I I'm familiar with his work. I've seen some of the things that, that he's done, but I know you've actually been on his show. So I'll let you speak a little bit more about him, but obviously this is, Sad news from the from the sports media world that we're all. It seems like it's a big world, but it's also a very very small one. We're all very interconnected. Um, so this is, uh, you know, it's something that that's obviously going to hit all of us. Yeah, when I worked for Celtics Blog, which is part of SB Nation, um, that's how I came to know Dave a little bit because he was uh, working for Bright Side of the Sun, which is also part of SB Nation. And and Dave would hit me up with salary cap questions and the like. And we got, you know, to form a pretty good professional relationship. We did a lot of times the SB Nation sites will go back and forth and they'll do some team stuff. Uh, You know, when the Celtics would play the Suns, it might be, hey, what are you looking for in this game? And those kind of things. And then I did his show. Um, It it had a couple different names, but I know I did it when it was the Sun Solar Panel, they called it. Mm -hmm. And and I did the show with with him several times talking about salary cap stuff. One of the funniest things that ever happened was I did a show with them one weekend where I'm like, I just don't see a way they can get to a Chris Paul trade that makes sense. And literally later that week, they traded for Chris Paul. So I went back on the next weekend and we talked about how they got Chris Paul and like <laughs> how it was kind of a fun, unique trade. And we, we had a blast with it. And it was just such a lighthearted guy where he's like, hey, man, you got to come back on. Just now it's like after we spent an hour saying why it wasn't going to happen, it happened. And let's let's go through it. So we, we had a great time. Um, he, he had brain cancer. Um, there's a very nice uh, tribute to him up on the thing. Um, but it seems like it this all came together fairly quickly. I had noticed he had cut back 
on his work, but I, you never know with that stuff. Is it right? You know, you know, what's going on in life and that I know he, he had a wife and I think three daughters. Um, cause I remember we talked about our kids. Some, so just, a, you know, it's just a tough loss. And I'll say this too, his legacy, what's going to be remembered, which is really cool. He started something called bright side night, which was, they would raise money from Suns fans and, and others. I chipped in over the years where they would buy 2,000 tickets to a Phoenix Suns game and send underprivileged youths that would never be able to go otherwise. And one of their kind of key requirements was they wanted kids who have never been to an NBA game before. Because one mm-hmm. of Dave's big hopes was he always talked about how his first game like made him fall in love. And he always wanted to have some other kid fall in love. Well, this thing got so big that the Suns' new owners, Matt Ishbia and his brother, said, you do your night, we'll do another night, and we'll match it. We'll do 2,000 tickets that we'll do. Um, same thing. So now, now they do that uh, there in Phoenix. And that's just that's just such a cool thing, man. Like, it's like that, that, that will, that'll hopefully be around forever. Right. And that just, you know, that, that was, that was all Dave and the effort he put in just, he's just one of those guys. He's just a good guy. Like he just, he, even when you disagreed with him about basketball stuff, you found it like, all right, we're just disagreeing about that. I'm not, I'm not going to get worked up over it or anything. He was a right. passionate Suns fan. Even when the team was God awful and they were dealing with the worst owner in the league at the time, like he just kept kept his enthusiasm for the team and like you said that bright side night like just such a cool project and you know just so, so much uh you know respect and and love to him and all the best to his family during this difficult time absolutely absolutely so uh again sad news unfortunately but uh like you said a legacy that will certainly live on and with the the event that he did and, and all of that yeah left the world a better place that's for sure you know, at the end of the day that's really i think all any of us can ask to do Absolutely. I I couldn't say any better than that. Um, All right, everybody. Thank you again for joining the show. Till tomorrow. We'll see you. And stay safe. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.